Okay, so Josh and I are live and in person. Literally live and in person, like, you know, looking at each other in the same room. In person, yep, live. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I come to his office, it becomes more and more magnanimous. Going going down the rabbit hole? (laughs) Well, you're already down the rabbit hole. Oh, I've been down there a long time. Yeah. (laughs) This is this is like the cave structure you find underneath and under the rabbit hole. And it doesn't need to be tweaked. <laughs> <laughs> it's impressive. This is so I've watched Josh collect this stuff since I've known him. And it's just kind of gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And you're at the point now where you actually have some stuff where you're like, hey, you know, I could actually leverage some of this. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, I, I that's what I do. <laughs> it never was what I did, but it's starting to get to the point where I want to. Yeah. So so for those of you who collect things or say, should I collect things or how could I collect things? Uh, we're going to talk about the economics of collecting today on Curiosity Continuum. Hey everybody, this is Josh. And this is Brian. Welcome to Curiosity Continuum. We are a podcast and movement started by two lifelong friends whose mission is to guide you through a changing world by helping you level up your contextual awareness. We also help you sharpen your collaboration and problem-solving skills. Our conversations explore, examine, and reframe common practical topics that help you learn something new and apply what you already know in a new way. If you find these conversations helpful, please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app and rate us. Leave a review so others can join the community. And you can always find us on curiositycontinuum.com and on our social media accounts. Thanks for tuning in, and let's start the conversation. All right, Brian, so I'm going to let you lead on this because you want to talk about like the economies of collecting. The We did an episode before called The Joys of Collecting, which I think we might link out description so you yeah. kind of understand why I collect stuff. Yep. But it's also an evolving process. So I think I, I want you take the wheel here and you just ask away. I'm just going to be like Barbara Walters and ask yeah. you questions. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... There's a whole <laughs> lot of stuff I see. Yeah. And it ranges. The, now there are themes. You've you've often said, like, I collect the things I like. Right. I also, cl- yeah, I collect what I want. I mean, I think everybody collects what they like. But I also have a very a focused on, I love video games. I love retro gaming. But I also love modern gaming, too. And I try to keep it to what I, what I will use. Okay. So let, let's talk about some terms that if you are a, a collector. Sure. That is commonly used, like like there's a term called completionist. Can you right. talk about that? Sure. So a completionist is somebody who, and it really falls into the categories of anything with a series of items. So video game system, uh, figurines. These people want entire collection of something. So they want, you know, one through 50 if there's 50 made. They want one through, you know, 200. There are those people. I know some of them. That is not me. Uh, it's because they start going down this uh, rabbit hole of collecting stuff, especially like now if you're like looking at like a retro system, it's just like uh, Sega Saturn, for example. It's super expensive. There's some games that are $1,000. And if you yes. don't have that, you that like FOMO you've got is big and like you want it. And people yeah. will le- leverage entire parts of their collections to get stuff. They'll do a lot of trades. They'll do a lot of things like that. I've seen people skip payments on house payments and stuff to get stuff. It's crazy. It's wow. kind of can go down like almost like an addiction route. Right. I also don't believe in just like, for example, collecting like all the games for like Xbox 360, for example. There's like 1,200 games or 1,500 games or whatever. And a whole bunch of games I'm never going to play. Mm-hmm. I mean, why would I take up space in a room 
that of stuff I'm never going to play with. So let's talk about that. Why would somebody dedicate a room to something that they'll never use? It's the collection aspect, I think. It's almost like the high they get from collecting. They just want it. They don't know why. And obviously, this is like a really kind of first world problem. I mean, this is something sure. we have here in the United States yeah. and other like Westerns, like European nations and stuff like that. Japan is different. They don't quite do that. But I think that uh, these people are just, they just want it. They want to acquire it. And they're going to do it. I'm not quite that way. I mean, there's some certain things I have bought items and I've seen them because, for example, there was a Switch game that came out called Cooking Mama that actually was published without permission from the uh, copyright holder. <laughs> so a limited number of copies got out. I found one and bought one. And I have it sealed. Now, I bought it for 40 bucks. It's worth like 70 I bought it not because I was going to play it. I actually bought that for to use as leverage in a trade further down the road. Okay. Which I haven't done yet. I still have. I'm kind of waiting for the price to knock up on it a little bit so I can get more paying for my buck on it. Yeah. Not really scalping people for it. I'm never going to be like, look, you pay me 500 bucks for this thing. Unless it's worth that, which it's never going to be. Mm-hmm. But I use a lot of stuff for leverage and trades. Like, I'll see stuff that I like. That I'm never going to play and I know it, but I'll buy it because it's cheap. If I can get it cheap, I buy it. Okay, so let's talk about the leverage aspect, mm-hmm. right? Because I know you said you've had some duplicates if yes. something comes available. So now I'm looking at... I'm and more of, recently, that's a more recent phenomenon with me. Okay. That um, I've talked to some other people that always buy two of everything. Oh. One to open and one to keep like nice. nice. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, well, that's good, but I'm never going to do that. Because mm-hmm. I don't believe in like sealed games forever. Let's open them. Let's play them. Okay. I mean, there's a certain point. Like, if I had a, a regular Mario Brothers game sealed, it's like $100,000. I ain't opening it. Well, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's certain things. Like, if I buy new today, that's what I'm doing. No, I gotcha. That yeah. makes sense. Okay, so let's talk about what what gaming companies make money on. Right. Right? And then what is valuable in the secondary market. So I know, like, obviously sports titles are big every year. And there's a huge sports gaming community mm-hmm. and every year they buy Madden they buy N- right. NBA all those different kinds of things but oftentimes the title from five years ago yeah is not popular it's the the right now so what retains the value in the secondary market that's a hard question because so here's the thing uh, I don't understand this phenomenon but it's it's kind of weird video game collectors a lot of them are not sports fans per se they might like sports, they might like things, but they don't care about collecting for the sport that they like. You know what I mean? So they want to, the most up-to-date game because that is the game that has the roster for this year and all that. But the older games, the sports games, they go like literally cheap. Dime a dozen. I mean, like a dollar a piece. And it's crazy. Now, if you get them old enough, like you go back to Nintendo and everything... They start earning money too. Okay, but they're never worth as much as, like, an RPG, a nice single player game, mm-hmm. a contained experience. Define an RPG a, for everybody who might not a role playing game. So, like, a game where you would progress. You start off kind of like a weaker character. You progress yourself in by playing. You get better. You get better, and at the end, you're basically a god, and you just do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about. Um, so you you mentioned sports games, mm-hmm. right? I want to talk about the components that go along with something like a game. Sure. Now, you mentioned Mario. 
back in the day. Yeah. One of my favorites, right? Yeah. I think and, it's everybody's favorite. Yeah. Like one of everybody's favorites. Yeah. And oftentimes I remember going over to friends' houses and it's like, here's my Nintendo and here's mm-hmm. my games. Right. Now, in a, in a Nintendo box of, for a game, there was a box. Right. There was an instruction manual. Yep. There might have been like a blow-in card. A, and, a, dust, a dust sleeve. Yep, yeah. That goes in. And then the actual game itself. Right. So you go like to garage sales. It's usually like just the game. Right. Laying there. Help people recognize, because this this like kind of like made my mind go <laughs> a little bit. Right. All the other things that people just throw away that they don't realize is valuable. Right. The box for one. Like, I think we all did it. Like, I had so many boxes for Nintendo games and everything that I just threw away. Or I had them on my shelf, but when I was 20 and I moved out, or 23 and I moved out of my parents' house, I threw them away. Because I didn't see the value in it. And now... Like, you can buy reproduction boxes and things like that. If you're going to go into collecting to make money, or if you want to be a reseller, let's say, people want complete things. How you buy it is how they want it. And it it, it itches the nostalgia trigger big time. And that's what you're selling. You're selling nostalgia. You're not selling an actual product. You're selling a memory, a smell, a scent, uh Opening it up, smelling it. I mean, it's crazy, but when you open new electronics and you smell that new electronic smell, <laughs> like that is different today. Yeah, it's true. Than it was before. Mm-hmm. And like with Nintendo games, they always had a piece of uh, styrofoam in there too. <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah. And a lot of times, now that's not worth anything really. Sure. But it's just, if you find a complete Nintendo game today and you open it up and it's got that, you're like, it just takes you back. And you may not even notice it until you open it up. That's interesting. Yeah, but so basically complete things are what people are looking for. Okay, so let's talk about that because I think there are people, they may have things languishing in their attic. Mm-hmm. They may have some things like, uh, I found Josh some really cool uh, television games. Yeah. And they were in perfect condition. They had been living in this guy's closet. Really good condition for the age of the game they are and the boxes were, and they had were in boxes, they were complete. Uh, as complete as in television games get. Yeah. Yeah. And it was something where, like, the guy said, oh, yeah, like, I bought this years ago. Right. And they finally just cleaned out his closet. So, that happened with my Vectrex, too. That's how I found that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so as people are cleaning out things or saying, like, how do I get rid of something? I how, think, do, how do you describe value? Is that what you're saying? Or? How do, well, so, like, the box. Sure. Right? When I told my son, like, the box is valuable, he goes, I wouldn't have thrown away the boxes. Right. There are things that people go, like, well, is this valuable or not? Some of the people are like, well, it's just a piece. Like you said, people... Want complete things. Right. There are people... Okay, so collectors, if you're a collector and you're serious about collecting, you want the complete thing. If you just want it to have it, because there is a big group of people that just threw away boxes, everything, you'll find lots of Nintendo cartridges loose, and some of those are extremely valuable. Now, you find them with the boxes, it's extremely valuable, Mm -hmm. some of them, because a lot of them weren't adults when they were collecting this, right? So they were giving it as a gift or whatever. And you just threw it away because it's the first thing you did as a kid. Rip it open. Oh, I ripped the box. Oh, well, who cares? It's just the box. Yep. It's the stuff that's the most like fragile <laughs> that, yeah, that makes people just get rid of. And I mean, like I have some collectibles that like have like, uh, for example, like one had an antenna on it. An antenna broke on 90% of them and mine's broken too. But I don't care because I just want the piece. It's worth like $10 less because it doesn't have the antenna. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. The whole thing was worth like six bucks. <laughs> but the antenna adds $10 of value because there was 
there's not many out there like it. I got it. So there's a rarity, and it's like there's how do a, I a rarity? Yep. How do I remember this as it was? Yep. Right? Yes, and it's the nostalgia thing. It's also a rarity thing. It's also the person. I mean, stuff is only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. I True. mean, period. And you so, know. So there's some things that like people may have languishing around. Uh, I want Josh to give a little bit of, of insight. I'll, I'll start like as the example. I had a friend who said, like, man, we got this old Sony CRT television. It was one of the big ones. And they could not give it away. Right. And I told them, I said, ask the retro gamers if they want it. Right. And this person went gaga, like, yes, I will take it. Yep. They couldn't get rid of it until I told them, like, yeah. approach it that way. And they looked at how many of these, how much these things were selling for in the retro gaming community. And they were, they were floored. It was like, you got to be kidding me. It's mm. like they couldn't give it away until they approached it the right way. Right. It's the contextual awareness thing. Exactly. So if people got stuff, or let's say that they, they have the unfortunate passing of a loved one. Right. And they have to settle estates. And oftentimes as you get older, you don't necessarily buy all the new things. You have the things that you had. Right. What types of things would be valuable for somebody who collects retro video games? Okay. So anything cartridge-based. Okay. It's so going to be worth physical media. Physical media is always more. Anything from advertising for physical media for games. If so you like go to magazine ads and stuff. Magazines, complete magazines are where it's at. Like if you have a magazine, they're actually kind of worth money now. And I threw away personally threw away bins and bins and bins of magazines because they were so heavy. Yeah. But that's why they're worth money now. Because people like me threw that stuff away because we were like moving and we couldn't take it with us. Mm. Certain things are. What you're going to want to look for, you you want to look for anything cartridge-based and absolutely more than 15 to 20 years old. Okay. Uh, that's where you're going to find your best value. So let's give names. When we record this and we talk about 15 years ago, tell them what... Okay, so the Xbox 360 is 15 years old this week. But a lot of people don't consider that a retro system because it's a disc-based system. Okay. Now, I think that, honestly, there are really good retro games on that system that you can get. They're just not worth the money. That's something like a Nintendo Entertainment System, Super Nintendo. Nintendo is always highly collectible. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at something on eBay, eBay is never a great resource to use for the actual pricing of a product. It's great to see if somebody wants it, but you should look at sold listings on eBay. Don't look at what's listed. Okay. Also... Add 20% to eBay because eBay goes for 20% more because people have fees and stuff to cover. Got it. If you are just like selling to a a thrift shop or something, Mm -hmm. you're never going to get money for it. So it's like buying a car. It's like here's the private party value. Right. Here's the uh, dealer value. Right. right? I would say anything cartridge-based, especially Nintendo. Sega is kind of coming into its own now. These things go in cycles, and it's really weird to see. Like. Mm -hmm. Collectors like me, I always zig when everyone's zagging. So, like, right now they're getting into, like, they were into Nintendo 64. I was into GameCube stuff. Now everyone's getting into GameCube, which is disc-based, by the way, but it's old enough and it's Nintendo and it's valuable right now. Okay. I was into GameCube a couple of years ago and I'm zigging back over to Nintendo 64 now again because mm-hmm. I refuse to pay some of these really high prices. Mm-hmm. Uh, your best bets, like if you're looking for, if you're looking, if you have this product and you're looking to get rid of it, your best bet to get the best value out of it is to contact like a retro gaming club near you or there are all over the place. Don't go on Craigslist and list it for like 10 bucks and say, hey, take the whole thing. Unless you just want to get rid of it. 
please don't throw it away. That's what I would say too. <laughs> there have been yeah. so many times I have friends that have complete boxes of stuff and I'm looking in it and it's just tons and tons of stuff. Not a lot of value, but it's all stuff that go, yeah, this was on the top of the garbage. Yeah. Or I was, I'm a mover and I move somebody and the woman said, oh, that's in the back of the closet. Just throw it away. And it's like a complete Nintendo, Super Nintendo with like 20 games, mm-hmm. which I, Super Nintendo is worth about 45 bucks just on its own, even if it doesn't work. <laughs> Oh, geez. Because parts in there are valuable. Okay. So certain things are valuable, but like the systems, the hardware is worth money. Interesting. And it, it might not be worth astronomical money, but it's worth money. Because there's a lot of other ways to play these games nowadays, yeah. other than on original equipment. When you're talking about original equipment, too, I'm looking at a game that you have sitting on your shelf called Micromages. Right. Now, this game, uh, you want just give like the quick like 20-second overview of what this game yeah, actually so is. Yeah, so this game was a modern game made by people that wanted to put it on a Nintendo cart and wanted it to be the size of a Nintendo game back in the day. So there's a whole blog on it. I might link, we'll link out to it too. At least a, at least a page about how they did this. Yep. And they, they really kept it uh, true true to what Nintendo, how Nintendo would develop a game. Yep. And that's where um, you start to get maybe pretty far down the rabbit hole with something like that. But, when you have these parts and pieces, right. those parts and pieces are valuable. Right. Um, this is not a video game thing, but it was a Star Wars, I think it was a Millennium Falcon box. Right. Like when they released the toy. And this happened in the flood of Nashville. And it was for a drummer who loves Star Wars. He said, I went down to my basement and it was starting the flood. He said, I had like a brand new drum kit and the <laughs> box from the Millennium Falcon. He said, I grabbed the box because I knew that was worth more it than was, my drum yeah, set. Yeah, it was irreplaceable compared yeah. to the drum set. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> So he said, that's what I made my decision for. So there's a lot of probably untapped gems that you may just have in your closet. Like your children oh, yeah. moved out. And it's like, I know there are because I've seen, I see it with my job every, every day. Yep. You know? Just remember that the, the uh, value of that stuff is in the eye of the beholder. But there are things out there. If you go, if you just ask for a different perspective, is it worth something right. to somebody else? Right, and you may not get make caboodles of money. No, in 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 nine times out of ten, you're not. It's there are very few titles worth thousands of dollars, and most people don't have them, and that's why they're worth thousands of dollars. Because mm-hmm. even for example, Stadium Events, which is a video game from for Nintendo Entertainment System, it is a sports game. It goes against a lot of the conventions. Uh, conventions. It's a sports game. It was made one of the last in the run of Nintendo. That's why it's worth money because it was low production numbers. There's only a few thousand copies known to exist. So that's why that game is worth $35,000. $25,000 without a box. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, and there have been ones turn up. Yeah. And there's YouTube videos on them. Go Google stadium events and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's not a good game. Yep. But collectors want it. And it's it's really hit the value high. You probably don't have that game. I'm going to say right out, you don't have that game in your collection. Probably <laughs> don't have it. But you might have games that are worth 25, 30, 40, 50, 60 bucks yep. a pop. And just feel good also. And you're not using it. Someone can. Mm-hmm. And you're not throwing it away. Right. Because this stuff cannot be replaced. Once it's gone, it's gone. We can make copies of it, but we can't make the original way it was made. And that's actually, you can reproduce a game electronically, yes. but you cannot reproduce the experience. Of all the things surrounding a game. Right. And that's where retro collecting comes in. Like, I want the CRT TV. I want the original hardware. Plug in the original game. Like I played when I was 10 years old. 
Mm-hmm. You know, or we did, Brian, when we played games together. You know, that kind of stuff. You're selling nostalgia. You're selling it, and that's what it is. It's nostalgia as a currency. Mm-hmm. Very good. Okay, so I think the the takeaway is when you go visit, or you're cleaning out, doing spring cleaning, yeah, or something. Say, can I go dig through the old stuff? You yeah, know, it's not just you might not you might have forgotten that you even own it. A you lot might, of people have, yeah. And it's like go, go take a look because there's a lot of other things that are hanging out there that. Aren't the shiny thing at Walmart right now, but they're valuable to people. Right. And that's that's the thing. Like, just look at this stuff and don't just dismiss it because it's old or because it's dirty. Because mm-hmm. stuff cleans up and it you'd be surprised what it's worth. That's actually a nice uh, parallel to people also, too. Right. Right. I think it's probably a good point to put a comma, huh, Brian? Let's do it. Until next time, this is Brian. And this is Josh. For Curiosity Continuum.